Hello, and welcome to Pairing, a podcast where we pair wine with art and pop culture. I am your host, Emma Shirjarko, and in this episode, Winston and I will tell you about our latest quarantine binge, Black Sails, a star's show about pirates. I assume that this is a show that maybe fewer people have seen, so we tried to keep this as spoiler-free as possible— besides, like, what you can know already from history and or reading Treasure Island. So I think you'll enjoy it even if you haven't seen the show. There are a few things on the show, Black Sails not pairing, that can be triggering that we don't talk about in this episode, namely sexual assault, homophobia, and violence. So I recommend looking up content warnings and keeping that mental health safe if you do decide to watch the show. Thank you so much to our newest patron, Rachel Berman. Rachel joins the ranks of a bunch of wonderful and generous folks, most notably our producer-level patrons, Emma Cohen, Rena Sarame, Zoo Yorker, Caitlin Van Horn, and Michael Beck, all of whom I would love to steal some Spanish gold with. If you would like to join our pirate crew, head on over to patreon.com slash pairingpodcast, where you can pledge as little as $1 a month and get access to wine fun facts, alternative pairings, behind-the-scenes content, and more. Without further ado, here is episode 81, Black Sails. How's it going? <laughs> it's been so long. It is I, your husband <laughs> and cohabitant. <laughs> well played, sir. Um, <laughs> welcome back, Winston. It's been a while since you've been on pairing. Thank you, thank you. Happy to be here. Happy to happy to so, have you here. So happy to be had. Great, great. So we are going to talk about this kind of a random one, um, but it's it's the show that we've been watching recently, and I thought it was fun enough that it would be worth doing an episode about. And we're going to try to keep it like mostly spoiler free because I feel like this is a show that maybe a fair amount of you haven't seen. Yeah, uh, it's but- it's. Somewhat plot-driven. Yeah. Sure. So we're going to be talking about Black Sails. Of boobs and boats. See, I like of boats and booty because because it's the double entendre. You do get the occasional but well-sculpted male buttocks. You do. You do indeed. Um, and, and, of and, tits and treason. <laughs> well, so what I was going to say is when we started watching the show... It, you know, I was like, okay, this is fun kind of fluff. Like, you know, there's swashbuckling, handsome men, and lots of sex. And uh, and and who doesn't like that at face value? But in watching the show more, especially past the first season, like in the second and third season, which is all we've watched. We haven't watched the last season yet. The writing got a lot the better. The writing got a lot better. The character development is quite good in uh, some cases. Captain Jack Rackham is my son. He is the best. He's by far the best character on the show. Um, Flint is, I think, a really good character, but um, but and, like you... you. Well, I don't want to spoil it, but... Yeah, I don't want to spoil it, but there's he's... There's queer representation of bounds in the show. Yes, which is cool. That. Which is cool. And and from the beginning it does, which is, which is, which is neat. 
Um, but yeah, so I thought it would be fun to to talk about this show a little bit. And uh, um, and the first thing that I wanted to talk about, uh, just to give you, if you if you haven't watched the show, the basic premise is it's obviously it's about pirates around the turn of the seventeenth century. Yeah, I think the eighteenth century. I, yeah, it's the eighteenth century, so early seventeen hundreds. So when we. When we last did a Wikipedia detail yeah. on this, um, what we found uh, was that the show is set at, like, the tail end of the golden age of piracy. Mm-hmm. And so I think it takes place between 1715 mm-hmm. and 1720. Okay, and so, like, that sounds right. By the end of 1720, most of your famous pirates, uh, with notable exceptions, have been caught and killed or died in battle. Yeah. Um, and it, in 715, the, like, the Bahamas are basically like a pirate paradise. Right. Um, um but so it is a blend, uh, like Deadwood, which, right. uh, we've, we've talked about. Um, and I think there are other shows that have done this as well, but it is a blend of history and fiction, specifically Treasure Island. So you get a blend of real character or real historical figures who existed like Jack Rackham. Jack Rackham, Charlie Vane. Charlie Vane and Bonnie. And Bonnie, Blackbeard, Charlie or Charlie Teach, whatever. Edward Teach, I Edward think. Edward Teach, my um, bad. Um, and they're all and mixed in with Hornigold. And Hornigold, yeah, he, Hornigold's real yeah. and a few other pirate captains are real and then there's the, And then there's the what will become the cast of Treasure Island right. plus so Captain you, Flint. Right. It's so, like a prequel. Right. So Captain Flint. So so I looked it up and apparently this is about 20 years before Treasure Island is supposed to be set. So it's a blend of history and Treasure Island. Well, and that makes much. sense because um, young young John Silver. Is, yeah, he's he's quite young and and very you very know, rakish. He's and... got his swarthy androgynous yeah. appeal. Yeah, and then in Treasure Island, he's supposed to be like a middle aged, if not yeah, know, ailing old man. Right, and um and we'll and we'll get to this. I think we'll talk about some of the some of the main characters bit by bit, but um, but I do think that John Silver is the character that they de- have developed the best so far. Um, I say. Because he, he starts out as kind of kind of caricature-y. Like, he's very charming, but but he's kind of a caricature of, like, the swindling, yeah. you know, charismatic the, dude. The, the and, rake. Yeah. And at least by the end of season three, which is where we are, he's had some... Profound moments and some pretty great writing, and uh, and I think the actor who plays him at first, I wasn't like totally sold on him. I mean, I thought he was fun, but now I'm like, oh, you've got some chops. Yeah. So um, definitely some chops. Definitely some chops. So uh, so yeah, but but I was just thinking about, and I know this is not unique to this show necessarily, but that kind of blend of history and fiction, and so what it made me think of in the wine world was like a lot of quote-unquote new world wines. So we're talking, you know, United States, South America, Southern Hemisphere, uh, South Africa, which we should talk about more, I'm just realizing now, because that's where they filmed the show. Um, Hmm. Australia, New Zealand, in all of these places, they, they often try to this this feels condescending to say, but I don't mean it this way. But they try to imitate old world wine styles. 
So, so old world being Europe. Again, wine world, very Eurocentric, you know, lots of racism and elitism involved in it. I've talked about it before. We'll keep talking about it. But but so one one style of wine that came to mind is that you may have seen is Meritage, or it looks like Meritage, um, which is basically a Bordeaux-style blend, usually coming from California. I think I've mostly seen them coming from California. Well, it sounds like a sea ship almost. Right? The Meritage. The the USS Meritage. Oh, my God. Now I want to... I want to write a sci-fi show about the USS Meritage. <laughs> um, but but yeah, so Meritage just means it's a Bordeaux-style blend, which means that it's going to be I- it, predominantly either Cabernet Sauvignon or Merlot, and then it might have some Cabernet Franc, uh, Petit Verdot, Malbec. Fun fact, those five grapes that I just mentioned, those are the five primary grapes of Bordeaux. They're not the only grapes of Bordeaux, but yeah. That's a that's a fun fact if that ever comes up in trivia or something. Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, Petit Verdot, Malbec, and Cabernet Franc. Got it. I'll never forget that. Never ever. forget it ever. It's ingrained in your memory. Uh, but yeah, but so something like that, like where it's also interesting that all the regions you mentioned, they're all British colonial possessions or That is interesting, yeah. You know, it's former well, British Empire for most of it. Well, is that is that unique or <laughs> No, it's not necessarily unique, but well, because but no. this is this is centering on English pirates and not any other kind right. of pirate. And it's very critical of England. Right. The show, I would yeah. say. Yeah, um, so it's at the time when the the empire is approaching its zenith. Mhm. And all those regions are British imperial territories or former British imperial territories. Definitely. Um, but yeah, so so that's that's just one thing that came to mind. The other kind of broader wine concept that came that came to mind is, um, as I mentioned, this is one of those shows where it it feels like it's worth it to keep to stick with it. Like it's fun from the beginning. To push through. Yeah, it's fun. From the beginning. Like a nicotine addiction. You just got to push through to the fun part. <laughs> hey, it's been over two years since Winston has had a cigarette. That Yay! is true. More more than, I think, um, yeah, over two and a half. A two, it's close to two and a half, yeah. yeah. We're very proud of him. You Yay! can do it. And if you're thinking of quitting, you can do it too. Um, anyway, that's a sidebar. But so um, the other concept that I was thinking of in the wine world, which I've talked about before too, is uh, the idea that some wines are meant to breathe. Mm. So, like, you open them and you should either decant them or let them breathe for a while. Um, There's different schools of thought um, about decanting versus just opening it and let it breathing. Eh, Whatever. We're not going to get into that. Um, Usually you don't have to worry about that unless it's, like, a very expensive wine or a, a very old wine. But, um, But also there's young, random wines that will benefit from decanting or letting them sit for a while. Um, As you know, I often will open a bottle of wine, stick it in the fridge, and then have a glass of it. And this is like red wine. um, And have a glass of it a few hours later or even the next day because... This is all true. This is all true. Uh, Because sometimes sometimes wines can just stand to breathe a little bit. and, uh, and, And this is a show that can stand to breathe, I think. I think, yeah. Stretch its sea legs, if you will. 
But yeah, so we've talked about Jack Rackham. So maybe let's talk about some of the real, quote unquote, real characters well, that Jack show. Rackham is one. Yes, because he... Uh, Calico yes. Jack Rackham was a real pirate. Yes. And um, and so on the show, this is not a spoiler because it happens from the beginning, but Jack Rackham and Anne Bonny, who's probably, I think, the one of the more famous pirates because she's one of the only right. female pirates that pirate we... pirate queen. She's the pirate queen. Um, and their relationship is just so much fun. It's um, it's really fantastic. It really is, and it's quite nuanced. Um, yeah, it's, it's like a queer, poly affirming, yeah, deep love kind of thing. Yeah, that's it's, not it's, always sexual. Yeah, it's and not it's pornographic. Like, it's, at least, yeah. It doesn't so feel it's like that to me. Yeah, so it's um, it's uh, at I least think between the two of them. At least between the two of them, yes. There's there's complications with the other people that become yeah. involved with yeah. them sometimes. Yeah. There's plenty of but, boobies. Yes. <laughs> okay. In case that's not clear. <laughs> We're really selling this show, I think. <laughs> well, you know um, what? A lot of people appreciate a booby. I think so. I think yeah. so. Yeah. A and there's, butt. There's plenty, there's plenty of both of those things. A phallus, even. There And there is at least one phallus that I remember, yeah. if not more. Yeah. But. It can't be porn. If the costumes yeah. are expensive. <laughs> there you go. There you go. But yeah, so so Jack Rackham and Anne Bonnie, that's a they have a really great relationship. And I was trying to think of like two grapes that go together really well, like Grenache and Syrah or Well, and it's interesting um, because he's supposed to be like a tailor's son and mm-hmm. she's from like absolute desperate poverty. Mm-hmm. And so he has this really fancy affectation, and then she's like, "Well, why are you talking? Yeah. Well, you know that kind of." He's he's by far the uh, Jack Rackham. The character is by far the best written character on the show. I think. I agree. He gets the best dialogue, and the and the actor who plays him is really great. I think his name is Toby Schmitz. And I, I don't think I've seen him in anything else, but he's really, he he does such a great job at walking the line between, like... Sincere and snide. Sincere and snide and, like, could, the character could be a caricature of, like, the, I want to, I want to be a big boy, too. But he really doesn't feel that way. Like, he doesn't come, like, he comes yeah. off he as... He has a, big boy moments, he has a, nice. Yeah, he has a, you know, he's got ambition, but... Uh, but he he doesn't come off as like a sniveling yeah. little coward, well, yeah. which I, which you, is one way you could write that character, and that's how it and, usually is. It yeah. seems like, but he's he's got like he relies on his wits, but he also has moments of genuine bravery, even though yeah. it has nothing to do with his like physical strength. So that's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, so that's that's very cool. We've also then we've got Charlie Vane, who I know you want to talk about. Charlie Vane, um, the the <laughs> who it's a miracle you can understand. Um, <laughs> um, and and he's actually played by a Wookiee, one yeah. of the few Wookies that's immigrated to the planet of Earth, and so few people speak Shree Wook that it's amazing they found him such a good tailor and makeup team yeah. because you cannot understand a word this man says. Everything he says sounds like this. <laughs> well, it's funny. It's funny because he does sound like that, but but somehow it like it like takes me like a half a second 
later to realize what he said. <laughs> it's like, I do understand him, but it, like, takes me a minute. <laughs> I, I speak a little. I speak a little. But he's also, he's a he's a fun character, and he similarly, he kind of starts out as, like, the stereotypical kind of manly man antagonist. Man. Yeah, yeah. And he's, and he, and he frequently plays the antagonistic role in the, in the show, but despite myself, I often find myself agreeing with him. (laughs) And, uh, and he's kind of a loose cannon and that you never know, you never know what he's going to do. He's a fool for love. He is a fool for love. Poor Charlie Vane. And he hates slavery. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we like that. His best quality, as all Wookiees do, (laughs) because of their enslavement by the Empire, which, of course, we all know. uh, Of course. um, (laughs) It is May the 4th, so we have to, we have to bring it. (laughs) Of course, Charlie. (laughs) <laughs> Laugh it up, fuzzball. <laughs> We're just going to okay. let Winston go on a little bit. All right, I'm done. You're I'm done. done. Okay, okay. <laughs> but yeah, so I was trying to think of, I was trying to think of a, of a wine for Charlie Vane that's like one that I initially disliked but kind of came around to, and I can't quite think of what's right. The other, the other wine I would give him is Cap Franc. Or Cabernet Franc, because Ooh, it's why? a wine that's frequently very earthy and kind of dirty. Swarthy, even. Yeah, and he's very dirty all the time. I don't mean that sexually, yeah. though. Also, maybe, mm, but, but 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 like he always looks like he's covered in dirt and sweat and he, like. He's one of those actors who has more abs than you feel like there should be space yeah. for there to be abs. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Like his abs have abs. Yeah, yeah, and and it's a little. Which like, is, you know, it's one of those as, as a we've, dead giveaway for a Wookiee. As we, <laughs> as we've talked about, I more respect how attractive he is than enjoy than it. enjoy it. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, like I respect those bottles of wine that were put in a spaceship and orbited yeah, the Earth. But yeah. I don't think they'd be that enjoyable. Huh? Yeah, exactly. There you go. Like, he's that's the, a, that's he's an the, impressive the, achievement. He's the space Chateau Petrus. Don't want to oh. drink you. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, now. He's a, definitely a very, very compelling character, I think. Um, right. Whether or not you fully understand what he's saying. <laughs> he's like he's like if Henry Cavill were less intelligible. Yeah. Or like, in, um, oh my God, Boomhauer from uh, King of the Hill. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Different, different kind of voice, but similar kind of. Dunga Bound, Dango, I know you, man. That's yeah, all, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's the other thing is that I think that actor is one of the few actors who is American. Um, he, I mean, he he does a good British accent, but I don't know if that if part of that is this weird gravelly voice that is very hard to understand. But. Yeah. I've harped on this before. I think the, yeah, the gravelly yeah. voice is a... An easy fallback. It is. It is for your uh, for your white actors who are male and cis. Yeah, though you mostly talk about it in reverse as British actors who are doing American right. accents. This is right. the opposite of that. Yeah, like the most famous example being like uh, father to a murdered son, husband to a oh, murdered yeah. wife. <laughs> well, he's Australian. But it's yeah, a, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, that yeah, sort yeah, of like yeah, indeterminate. A, yeah. Male. It's a testosterone accent. For I guess. sure. For I sure. Know. Yeah. 
So, okay, so who are some of the other real people? The Guthrie's. Oh, they are Owner, they real? I don't wait. I don't know if the I don't know if they're real. I, I just don't know. know they're main characters. Yeah. So real people, we've got Edward Teach, Blackbeard, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and Bonnie, who just um, came back. <laughs> yeah. And Jack Rackham, Charlie Vane, Hornigold, Hornigold, Hornigold who's played by an actor who looks just like Jeffrey Rush. Yeah. Um. Not Jeffrey Rush. Not Jeffrey Rush. Legal name. Is, it is his legal name. Yeah. Uh, you think, gotta you gotta have a Jeffrey Rush type in a pirate show. I know? think a couple of the older captains that are like side characters I'm sure, are actually yeah. real people too. I'm actually I'm but, actually interested. I'm gonna look up real quick if the Guthrie's are real. But Flint but let's, Silver, obviously yeah. they're fake. Um I don't know about the Guthrie's. Uh, Billy Bones obviously is fake. And then there's Max, who's the Prostitute, ooh, ooh, the turned, madam, yeah, madam turned, yeah, mayor of. And she's the the mixed race uh, brothel keeper. Yeah, she's yeah. cool. I like her. She is cool. As I've said, and I don't, I, I, I think this is a choice on the actor's part. She's very monotone, but I think that's a choice. I don't always love it. Um, every once in a while, I want a little bit more, just like vocal dynamics from her. For sure, but. Because um, sometimes she's supposed to get really mad, and there's the time she tells her origin story, and it's still kind of monotone. Yeah. But I like her as an idea, for sure. And okay. I think the actor does a fine job. I think I think I may have just gotten a little spoiler for the show. Oh, dear. But. Well, here's the spoiler. Oh, I Anne don't know. And Bonnie, uh, in real life, disappears at a certain point. Yeah. You have no idea what became of her. Well, which that's is awesome. That's the thing. That's the thing about this show is like, <laughs> you know, you're headed towards something, both with the real yeah. characters and the fictional characters. But because this is taking place before, yeah, and it's Treasure very, Island, it's very Deadwood too, where they're like, yeah. I have a dream, and it's like, oh, buddy, it's not gonna, yeah, it's not yeah. gonna work out for you, yeah, and and kind of like Outlander, too, oh, yeah. yeah, 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 um, but. I can't, I can't tell because this is like a wiki fan page. And so it's talking about Eleanor Guthrie as if she's real. But then it's saying like, and then she did the thing with Captain Flint. And we're like, Captain Flint wasn't That's a real a person. person. <laughs> so yeah. So, so, well, let's talk about Eleanor Guthrie because she's another one who I have very mixed feelings about. Because there's a lot about her character that I like. There's a lot about the actor that I like. But she does, she does this thing that really bothers me it's an actor tick and i i can't judge because i'm sure i would do i i do the same sorts of things and i would do the same sorts of things but she's always got distressed face distressed and mouth slightly open and the brow furrowed i'm just like relax relax your damn face relax your damn face um but raise your eyebrows even i also see more of those baby blues but i but i i like her i like her i think she's i think she's good they're making decisions with the character right now and again we're at the end of season three that i don't love yeah um and uh we will see because because they could they could change that. So so Eleanor Guthrie on the show, she's kind of like in charge of Nassau. So this all takes place in Nassau, which is like the capital of the 
uh, of Great Bahama, I uh, believe. Grand Bahama? Grand Bahama. I don't know. Um, but I think um, that's what it is now is Grand Bahama. Yeah. As part of it's called New Providence Nation, Island maybe. at the time. At the time is right. what it was called. But so that's that's the setting. And she's kind of in charge of the town at yeah. the beginning of the show. It's like her dad was the governor and then her right. dad kind of checked out. And right. Then she's been trying to run it as a 17 year old girl, which, again, this will be problematic later. Oh my God. Well, she's not supposed to be seventeen at the in at the, the show. Time of the show. Yeah, now, but there's reference to yeah. Stuff we've that we've been, we've been having a whole a whole slew of yeah. media that we've been consuming, which is just older men sleeping with seventeen year old girls, and I wish they would stop. I yeah, wish they would stop. You know that. what? <laughs> I, why can't you buy a nice? YA romance novel <laughs> without a 300-year-old fella trying to sleep with a nice young lady who just wants to paint. You know. Anyway, that's you know, a different deal. It's a different deal. And, and we uh, also just watched Shadow and Bone. Shadow and, and Bone. Yeah, same thing. Oh, I've been alive and, for centuries. I've like, and, I'm like 12. And also I've been reading The Witcher and uh, it also happens in The Witcher book. But anyway. At least Geralt is not like seeking out no, he's not. Just he's just no one. Rape. Just no one can resist Geralt, and every once in a while, he's like, "Fun." <laughs> um, but so Eleanor, well, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. But Eleanor, as she is now, is kind of like a wine that shows great promise, uh, but then is very disappointing on the finish. Or wine that's uh, mispurchased, maybe. By Ooh. people with too much money and not enough taste. Oh my! Like, what kind of wine would that be? Oh, wait, a wine that was mispurchased. What do you mean? I mean, like, purchased for show or because you mm. could, rather than because you could appreciate it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. So that would be something like Opus One, or it could be something like that, or or just like like sometimes white wines. There can be really great white wines, but they can they don't always age as well mm. as um, as some red wines do. And so this might be like a holy shit! I can get a 1990 Chateau Olifite Blanc or something, which I'm I, that would probably still be good. That's just, don't don't come after me, Chateau Olifite. But but something like that, where you're like, oh, this is going to be incredible. And right. then you open it and you're like, oh, it's actually a little disappointing. Yeah, I think I've shared this anecdote before, but um, my friends, Brian and Sean, uh, their mm-hmm. parents, uh, their brothers, and they were all good friends. But yeah. um, oh, their parents yep. bought them each on the day of their birth. Uh, it was like the fanciest Like champagne. Dom Perignon. Yeah, Dom Perignon or Bombs yeah. or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and you know, got the special like wooden cast for it and everything. Mm-hmm. And we're like, we're going to mm-hmm. open it on your 21st birthday. Yep. And I happened to be there for both. Mm-hmm. And they both were like flat and mm-hmm. not very good. <laughs> and yeah. it was like, well, yeah. no, that's a, a nice idea. That's a great, that's actually, that's an even better analogy, I think, because champagne, like white wine is tricky to age, but champagne and sparkling wine is even trickier sometimes. Because um, it has to be stored just perfectly to maintain its carbonation and its mm. everything. So yeah, that's a good that's a good analogy, I think. Um, but we'll see. There's still a chance to redeem Eleanor as a character by yeah. also uh, you know 
she's a she's a woman in a patriarchal world. Yeah. Oh, and and, and like her butt off. Especially, I think in season two. Fierce. Especially in season two, she's a lot of fun, and I'm a big fan of her and her choices in season two. But so far this season, they took a lot of her agency away, which yeah. is it makes sense in the context of the plot, but there's ways they could have done better. I think. Yeah. But oh, yeah. but we'll see we'll see what happens. But yeah, so there's that Max, who's the the brothel, the, broth- the madam, the ma- the brothel madam. I'm trying to think what a good wine for her would be. Definitely a red wine. Or like, what's a what's a wine that maybe is treated like dog shit mm. in France or somewhere or mm. initially, mm-hmm. and then it finds its its place and blooms. I don't know. Well, yeah, I'm thinking of something like like a grape, like Carignan or something, which is one of my favorite kind of underrated wines, and it's a French grape um, that is mostly used for blends and is rarely kind of thought of as like a great wine. Um, it's not necessarily thought of as like dog shit. It's just not considered special in its own right. Right. Um, but recently, I, I think I've seen more and more Carignans, both from France and elsewhere, that are really good and really fun. And I think that's kind of a good one for her because it's also very spicy. Mm, and very, yeah. you know, it's got, it, it can definitely stand on its own, even though it's often part of a blend, which I think is appropriate for Max because... She definitely can hold her own, though she works with a lot of different people when it suits her. Well, so I like the. It seems like a wine that would be suited for tavern intrigue. Definitely, like the kind of thing where you know you're the brothel owner, the saloon keeper, whatever. So you're drinking, maybe. Yeah. But maybe that's just performative. Or well, you whatever, know what? It's also that's not it's one of those test. wines that's on tap. You know, right. when you go okay. to a place and it's a wine on tap. I feel like I've seen Carignan on tap when they have wines on tap. Um, okay. I've also seen Barbera's. I think Barbera's another good one for her. Like a great wine, but not always yeah. what everybody thinks of first. Yeah. So what I brought home tonight was like a you brought home a Barbera. dollar Barbera. Yes, and it's awesome. I've had it before. It's, I'm sure so perfectly it's, serviceable. Yeah, the Mauro Molino. Especially Go if check you, it out. you have to discuss dark deeds. Indeed. <laughs> okay, so I think we've covered most of the historical slash we're not sure characters. Now let's get to the Treasure Island characters. All right, let's So do we've it. got Captain Flint, who is... The quote-unquote main character of this show, I mean, it's very much an ensemble show, but he's kind of the the driving right. force of it. But he's not a character we see in Treasure Island, right? We hear about him. Yeah, so in Treasure Island, Flint's been dead for 20, 30 years. That's the name of the parrot. Yeah, um, Captain Flint yeah, is John Silver's, John Silver's parrot, parrot. And the, the old, first of all, a lot of Treasure Island has to do with dying of alcoholism. <laughs> Yeah, um, not great. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry to be talking about wine. But well, Billy Bones is yeah, Billy the Bones. old sea captain in the first episode. 
and they come and give him the black spot. Right. And he like dies of fright or something before they can even. And do Billy Bones, to him. Billy Bones is a character on this show played by the strapping Tom Hopper. <laughs> played by <laughs> Muscles McTallman. Yeah, <laughs> my favorite himbo. Um, <laughs> yeah, the guy who plays what Percival in. He served Percival in Merlin, the Merlin, show. That's right. And he's on the uh, the Umbrella Academy. He's Luther. Right. He's, he's the, the big the big ape man. Yeah, such an endearing person. His <laughs> or, heart is or, almost as big as his biceps. Yep. <laughs> and his biceps are about the size of my neck. Nice um, <laughs> glazed ham. Yeah. Nice Christmas ham. Yeah. But he's he's really fun on the show and he's kind of like in a lot of ways like the moral compass, I feel like. Yeah. He's he's I think it's fair to say. He's the like he's a pirate but you're like, "Oh, but I like you and you're good and you tend to do things cuz you're right. driven by good." And he cares about the men and NASA and yeah. he's conflicted. Yep, he's got he's got a whole lot of interesting Well, part of what I was going to say is what's fun about this show is you kind of you 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 don't get much backstory for the characters in the first season. At all, yeah. Like no, you're just kind of just thrown shows up. up. There. You're, you're just kind of thrown into the action. It's very like RPG style. Yeah, like your character is in Nassau now. Yeah, and what then what do you do? And then as the story progresses, because like w- there's stuff that we just learned about in season three that you can kind of guess some of it. In when you're watching it in season one, but it's not made explicit. Like stuff about Jack Rackham and his whole backstory, you don't get any of that until right. season three, I and think. I, I liked um, actually that even when you do get it, it's just like it's like a conversation. Yeah. No, it's well it's it's well done. It yeah. it comes up fairly organically. Yeah. As if you're in there. And then and like the stuff about Charlie Vane and Blackbeard, Edward Teach. Which apparently oh. that shit all happened. Like, yeah. All those pirate people either worked with, for, or against each other all in this same period of time. Yeah. And that's what's crazy to me. Is yeah. like Charlie Teach was on Hornigault's boat and boat, and then um, then Charlie Vane rebelled against him, did his own thing, and then Charlie yeah. Vane came back up with him at one point. You know, it's like it's it's. It is. Really it is always there's incestuous and small. it's incestuous and full of intrigue and but and you gotta like be paying attention to figure out who's on whose side at any given time. But especially if you um, don't speak Shri Wook, the language of the Wookiees. Yes, yes, indeed, it makes it just that much more difficult. Right. <laughs> but yeah, okay. So the main the main characters from Treasure Island or reference from Treasure Island are Flint. Billy Bones, and, of course, Long John, John Silver. Silver. Uh, and we talked a little bit about John Silver before, uh, but I'm trying to think what a good a good wine for him would well, be. Also, uh, I, I mean, are you going to talk about rum at all in this episode? Because I don't know anything about rum. <sighs> you but, know, but that's like the obviously, drink obviously time. rum is the drink. I it's like don't rum know. Rum or maybe Madeira or Yeah. Um, so they they talk a lot about Spain um in in the show as well because Spain's kind of the other big player at this time. Spain and England are fighting for stuff. It's a whole thing, um, look it up. It's a whole thing, look it up. I don't want to get super into rum because I'm not an expert and I need to do obviously it's um Rum is uh, sugarcane based, 
And so that's why it's frequently the drink in pirate shows, movies, and historically it is because there's a lot of sugar cane. On this, in, whiskey uh, just was not a thing at this time, as far as I, I know. I don't know if it wasn't a thing, but um, but they could easily make rum because there's so much sugar cane. And that's another thing that From is... The slave plantations yes. in Haiti especially. And yes. also uh, uh, northern... Um, Gran Colombia that later became most of South America. Right, right. right. Um, That's Uh, my understanding. Pulling that right out of my butt could be so wrong. Yeah, it could be, could be, we could be very wrong. But that's my understanding is that, you know, rum is the liquor of Central America because it's made from sugar cane and there was so much sugar cane. And speaking of, uh, they do, I think an okay job addressing slavery on the show. I They have at least one person who's against it. <laughs> well, they have at least one person who's against it and they do have slaves and ex-slave characters That's on the true. show. They do have um, like and free they have freed slaves who you never see in bondage or suffering, but rather yeah. just doing their own thing. And they also have people who are like in the mid space between slavery and freedom who are also doing their own thing and it's not what the show does not subject you to at length or or at all as far as i can remember is just like endless black suffering suffering porn no that's definitely definitely not um and there is the character of mr scott who is you know he at, at this point he's basically an I'm I'm doing air quotes, indentured servant. And he's basically, at the beginning of the show, he's Eleanor Guthrie's right-hand man. You learn a lot more about him as the show goes on. And he also goes off and does other stuff. Yeah, he goes off and goes other stuff. does other stuff. He he joins other pirate crews. Like there's and there's definitely, you know, there's black people in all of the pirate crews, so it's suggested that these are ex- or former slaves that were freed yeah. and are... Yeah. It's um, suggested that pirates are, like, more accepting of diverse people and And, and who knows stuff. if that's real or not. It's, um... I mean, to... Don't, to yeah, don't know. Don't I don't know. Just, I don't know. It is something that is addressed to a certain extent, not deeply. I would say this show does it better than Outlander does. For sure. <laughs> for sure. And if you hang on... Um, like yeah. through the the middle of the second season to the third season, then you get a lot more of like what's going on in the Caribbean at yeah. this time. Yeah. Which is cool because um we're like eighty years before Toussaint and the and the Haitian independence mm-hmm. revolution. Mm-hmm. But they definitely include some sort of rumblings of that and what's going on and so they respect that history which is cool because haitian history seems like it's erased yeah way too much definitely Uh, and there are some really well i think pretty well written black characters and former slaves um it could be it could be more it could be better but it is it is something that the show acknowledges at least and and tries to deal with to a certain extent. Absolutely. Well, that's um, two white folks' opinion. Yeah, exactly. We're <laughs> two white. We're two white people. I I am happy to be told otherwise. Um, that was, but that was my my instinct. Is like, okay, they kind of tipped their hat to it. They could have delved into it more. They didn't. 
Well, and they um, do make a point of showing that all the pirate crews, at least, are, are diverse. Well, are I was joking. I was joking about there's there's one there's one, <laughs> the one Asian dude there's with one no Asian lines. dude with no lines, but yeah. he's he's one of the first credited on IMDb because he's in every episode, and his the actor's name is Winston Winston Chung, I believe, is the actor's name, and his character's name is Joji. But uh, we never hear Joji talk, or at least so far we haven't heard Joji talk. He's been there in every episode, That's one of the surprise things that happens. I hope so. I want to hear Joji's story. But... uh, I got to say, though, um, and I don't want to... No, go ahead. ...completely derail you from your notes, but... I I like the... the naval battle scenes, I oh, think, are yeah, really, really well good. done, and they remind me a lot of the movie Master and Commander. They do. Yeah, there's a lot of and, Master and Commander in this. And I don't know. I don't know if you had any pairing thoughts about that or any kind Ooh. of like analogies. I know I'm putting no, you in the spot. No, I, I don't know yeah. that I have anything specifically to say about the battle scenes, but they're very good. They're really well done, I think. Um, and kind of, and there's some, some, some of the experience, experiences that the crews go through, not just the battles, but, um, some of the things you'd go through being at sea like that. The idea Um, of being on a wooden boat. Yeah. And you're just gonna like, at sometimes just like sit there and exchange cannon fire with another wooden boat. Yeah. Before you try to board each other and like and nobody's wearing a uniform so you're all just like shooting guns and <laughs> smoke and trying to kill each other it's just amazing <laughs> i think they do it really well it's, and it's really terrifying funny. so i was just thinking the only equivalence that i can think of in the wine world is like when you go to take your psalm exam and you're and like there's etiquette to it but you know you're competing with other people i mean you kind of are you kind of aren't oh, so um, actually but, that kind of sounds like like an open audition like a theater yeah problem, it's so. actually it's more like an open but audition, like if everyone but, had swords and guns exactly exactly it's like if you went to you know blind taste your wines and you know, you had to shoot each other before you picked what you're, it was. You're like at an open Shakespeare call. It's like, yeah. hey, would you uh, would you run lines with me? Bang! Uh, yeah. Just dead. Hey, taste this wine. Taste this wine. Ha <laughs> ha! I can't listen to thee. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's all connected. It's all connected. But and also, what I think they do a good job of showing, just like in Master and Commander, is like all the the construction that mm-hmm. goes on, mm-hmm. like the carpentry yeah. and shit and the food logging and cooking and storing and all the things that like you would experience if you worked in a restaurant. But now imagine your restaurant is floating in the ocean armed with 20 guns and there are other restaurants armed with 90 guns that want to take all your shit. Yeah. No, I... I they want your black truffles. I, <laughs> I know I've talked about this before, but I very much equate, like, working in a restaurant to, to you know, making theater because I've, I've done a bit of both. I've done more theater, but I know, like, the high stakes of working in a restaurant I don't want to offend anybody, but the stakes of working in a restaurant are pretty much the same stakes of putting on a theatrical production. Oh my god! Because you if know, you mess anything, if up... you mess anything up, it you fuck everything up. However, take a step back and like, what's the worst thing that happens if you fuck something up? I mean, but 
in a restaurant setting, there's, like, food safety, and that is a big deal. Like, if you fuck something up and yeah. you poison someone, that's not great. What was well, the show? Honest, this... We're mostly talking about plating here. Yeah, like, I was talking how about... How the plate looks. Exactly, because the... you've like, worked in fine yeah. dining. So, like, and I've, so... I've had the thing where the sous chef is, like, smashing ramekins on the floor because somebody didn't, like, have their mise en place right, right, or, right, their, right. or their plating just correct. Oh, you think you're going to... you're gonna you going to do the recipe a little bit different? Or you think you're going to do the plate a little bit different? You think I can't do, you know, like all yeah, that kind of yeah. like toxic masculine. There's a nonsense. lot of similarities, again, between the entertainment industry and the restaurant and food, food and beverage yeah. industry and the power structures that exist there. Just saying. But um, also, actually, I thought this show did a good job of taking you from toxic masculinity in yeah. full to like, oh, well, we actually express love for each other and there are some really touching moments of members of the crew expressing just homosocial I actually non-erotic love and it could be erotic love there's that too in the show by the way yeah a little bit stay tuned just a little bit but uh, um. <laughs> but but uh, there's a lot of like non-toxic masculinity in the show as it goes on and I, I think, think that's, that's one actually... of the things that makes it better i agree and I, I i sort of am thinking of uh because this was another big quarantine binge for us but uh supernatural mm-hmm. which was another show that i started out very skeptical of in terms of like the the way masculinity played a role and the power structures and this yeah, and the it other starts thing. like me and my dad yeah and there's a lot of fridging of women at the beginning of, let's not get into supernatural there may or may not be a supernatural episode coming Bum, bum, bum. But I, but that's one thing that I think I wasn't even quite conscious of until you just said it. But yeah, it this show actually does a really good job of dismantling or uh, overturning your expectations of toxic masculinity. And um, between Flint, Silver, Jack Rackham, and Charlie Vane, they all kind of both express and subvert those kinds of tropes and and we also go through silver's journey of being a like a fully abled person Mm -hmm, to somebody mm -hmm. who's you know differently abled or disabled Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um forgive me if i if i'm messing it up please correct me yeah Uh, but um and i don't think that's too much of a spoiler because you know it's Long John it's Silver. It's Long John. <laughs> so we go, I mean, we go through this, the beginning of that journey and also his journey of becoming a charismatic leader despite having gone through that injury and, right. and starting at the bottom. And the way they do it is, in my view, really non-toxic and kind of sweet, actually. I think so, too. I, it's actually, that's one of the more touching moments in the show if, if we're thinking about the same yeah well, moment. I mean, no spoilers but but, but yeah but yeah uh the way the way the crew supports each other not all the time but but some of the definitely time. not all the time. definitely not all the time but it's 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 really nice it is really nice and kind of refreshing because you don't you don't see a lot of shows like this yeah you're not going to get that in deadwood no <laughs> <laughs> which by the way I'm just putting this on the record so that the listeners hear it. When we finish Black Sails, we're watching Deadwood. I've seen most of it, but I've never finished it. And it's Winston's favorite show, so we've got to watch it. Then we're rewatching Battlestar Galactica because that's my favorite show. Absolutely. And then Rome? Oh, yeah, then Rome, which, speaking of, 
uh, the reason why we were uh, inspired to rewatch that is because uh, Ray Stevenson, who plays... Oh, hey, Emma, did you know <laughs> that Titus Polo plays Blackbeard? What? Uh, We've never this talked is a about little, this, this is a little four glimpse, or seven times. little glimpse into married life slash aging, um, but we had that conversation like four times watching the show. Winston kept being like... Is that Titus Polo? And I was like, yes, Winston. <laughs> From before. <laughs> We've had yes. this conversation many times. <laughs> Obviously. Um, but yes, Ray Stevenson, utter delight. He doesn't show up until season three, so it's a little bit of a spoiler to tell you that he shows up. But He's Blackbeard. Hey, he's Blackbeard. He, he existed. You've he had, existed. You've had 600 years to yeah. familiarize with yourself with the fact that he was a pirate. Yeah. Um, and Ray Stevenson is just an utter delight. Yeah, if um, you ever want like a pick me up, go watch the behind the scenes footage with him in any show he's in, <laughs> and it's like watching a gigantic teddy bear yeah. have an ice cream for the first time. <laughs> he's just the sweetest man. Oh, you love you love to hear it. You know when people are when actors are successful like that that they're just like yeah. nice well, people. I mean. Um, Henry Cavill's kind of the same way. He is, though he's he's uh, he he's just a huge nerd. Yeah, and also likes preserving biodiversity. He just posted an Instagram video about it. I mean, no I, I'm, I'm okay with all that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, we love Henry Cavill. Okay, I've, I feel like it should be a joke that we can't go an episode without talking about Henry Cavill, no matter what it is. Can, can anybody? Can anybody? Does anybody go longer than an hour What's without thinking with about him? Have you thought about him for a second? <laughs> it's a beautiful man. He looks like he's cut from marble that likes to play board games he, in his basement. He built his own gaming pc he built it with his hands <laughs> what's wrong with you people <laughs> i think it's also his birthday today so happy, happy bir- birthday happy henry. birthday henry gavel we stand a king we stand a king but yes what were we talking about <laughs> well, uh, we black were, sales uh, yeah, it was yeah, a yeah, show yeah. on stars, show on stars. Uh, of tits yeah. and treasons of tits boobs and, 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 and boobies booty. yeah. <laughs> boobies and boobs and bo- boots and boots. There are some good there boots. There are boots, yeah. Some, some nice, boots. really, like, really knee-high nice. knee boots. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, there's there's another female character, believe it or not, um, Mrs. Barlow. Oh, yeah. And I think that her relationship with Flint is also very interesting. There, the, 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 like... She's like a super ego kind of... The quote-unquote... right? Yeah. The quote-unquote romantic relationships on the show, because there's no romance on the show what i and i appreciate this about it is never quite clear cut well it's never it's, straightforward yeah. like man woman monogamous and no. i think that's pretty cool i i think i think so too there's a lot of like either explicitly or hinted at polyamorous relationships and like consenting uh it and also queer relationships queer relationships sure. it also doesn't shame sex workers nope and um, it's demi queer yeah. characters you know people who are not necessarily comfortable with being out yet but mm-hmm. who nevertheless exist you know that's also something i think is rarely covered with any degree of nuance yeah but no i and i think to a to a degree which i Really appreciate for a show that has so much sex and just, you know, 
titties out all the time. Titties. <laughs> it actually is fairly nuanced in its sexual politics. Yeah. So, so they still do the Game of Thrones thing where they're like, are two male characters having a scene where they talk about a thing? Is it completely unrelated to a whorehouse? Yeah. All right, let's put that right in the whorehouse. <laughs> yeah, that's true. If it's not on a boat, it's in a whorehouse. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is that is very true. Uh, and there's definitely, you know, there's it's not perfect by any means, but I, I just have been very impressed by it. And I've grown increasingly fond of it. Me too. As we've gone along. And like I think we've mentioned, the writing itself gets very good. Like there are there were moments in season three where we looked at each other and we were like, that was good writing. That's almost a Deadwood scene. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that, um, no, it's there's like really good interpersonal uh, vulnerable scenes between characters, not just, you know, imperious soliloquies, which I think a lot of prestige dramas will do where it's like, I'm a man and I'm here to scold everybody and talk about how I got hit. And this actually has like exchanges of emotion and vulnerability in, in yeah. ways I think are cool. And I think there's a lot of also shifting power dynamics, which is always fun. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... I feel like we've done a pretty good job summarizing and and selling the show with minimal spoilers. I'm very proud of us. Yeah, I think we've really kicked ass. Cheers. I think good good for us. Let's go watch some more. You have a nice night. Enjoy. Pairing was created, hosted, and produced by Emma Sherjarko, with music and audio recording by Winston Shaw and logo artwork by Darcy Zimmerman and Katie Huey. This episode was edited by Emma Sherjarko. Follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, and Instagram at Pairing Podcast to keep tabs on what we're up to. And feel free to send us any thoughts, questions, requests, and pairings of your own on our website, thepairingpodcast.com, via email at pairingpodcast at gmail.com, or on any social media platform. Come check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash pairingpodcast where you can pledge as little as $1 a month and get access to exclusive content, customized pairings from me, live streams, and more. Also, check out our merch store on our website at thepairingpodcast.com merch. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and sharing with your friends. Thank you so much for listening to Pairing, where you come for the stories and stay for the wine.